I'm pretty excited. I don't see any but, however, um, that's the first time in three weeks I've remembered to do that, so that's an accomplishment. Speaking of three weeks, you might want to rethink that deal of me being the interim minister. This is my third Sunday, and it's also the third winter storm warning on Sunday, so it's kind of bringing you bad luck or something like that. We, uh, somebody well I'll, I'll catch him we uh, I was glad told you before if you were here that our kind of full-time job is being bus drivers in retirement we both drive for uh, USD 250 for Pittsburgh here and Friday they canceled school a little bit preemptively before the stuff started very much and then it came pretty good and it was a good thing they did and and I was especially glad not just to get the day off or go back to bed or whatever, but um, I had had a cow the night before. We also raised cattle. Um, went off by herself, and it's almost time to have a calf. Those are supposed to start about March 1st, but they could be a couple of weeks early, just like people. And the evening before, she went off by herself, and that's what cows do. That's what ladies would like to do, but we bring a whole entourage, don't we, when we have babies. So she went off by herself, and I thought, okay, I don't have to go in. So as soon as it got light, I wanted to go out and check the cow and see if there was a baby yet and so forth. And she was probably about the, um, four or 500 yards away across a creek and a little woods and so forth. And as soon as I got outside, as soon as I got outside, I heard her bellowing, I mean, just loud and all that and I thought oh no there's two reasons they do that they're having trouble having the calf or they've already had the calf and the calf is in some kind of trouble because usually after they have a calf they they just kind of moo real softly at it and that imprints mama's voice on the calf and stuff you thought all moves were the same didn't you no uh, it's not like that very different the calf learns within just hours of birth to recognize mama's call. Otherwise, when you get 20 or 30 or 100 of them together, there'd be no sorting them out amongst themselves. So this one was just, mom was just going crazy, and I thought, what's up? So I hurried up there, and I came to the cow first, and could tell, because she was a lot thinner, that she'd already had her calf, and I thought, I wonder where the calf is. Mom is usually right there with it. And I went just a little farther, and the creek's going by here, and the calf was down in the creek. And the water ended up was about, um, probably about yay deep, a foot or so. And then I think Mama had the cow across the creek and then decided to come back on this side of it. And the cow, she could do that easily, but the calf couldn't. And where she decided to cross and the calf was trying to get up, besides it being about yay deep, about a foot deep, there was a steep bank that was probably about another two feet, and there was just no way it could get up there. And two things flashed through my mind. I got to jump in the creek and get the calf. And the second thing that flashed through my mind is the, the boots that I was wearing are about this high, and I hope it's not over the boots. That is not fun. So I jumped in, and barely wasn't, and got the calf and pushed it up on the bank, and we managed to save it. The problem with a thing like that is it's not as, as 
cut and dry as it looks if you save the cap and get it out of the water. Because if they've been in, and I think this one wasn't in very long, is my guess if they've been in the cold, freezing water like that very long, not just their legs, but a good bit of their body, it's especially just a few hours old, it's often very, very difficult for them to recover from that. Oftentimes they don't. But that one is making a good recovery so far, and I'm going to thank the superintendent for canceling school for that reason, just because of the calf that made it. We, uh, we're talking about uh, making a difference, uh, four-part sermon series, Making a Difference. And kind of our, our theme verse for it, or at least one of the two, is Jude chapter 22. And this is, if you use New International like I do, um, it's not what it says in that version, but it is in a different one. It just simply says, have compassion, making a difference. And when we as Christians, God first had compassion on us, made all the difference in the world, and then we are to have compassion toward other people making a difference. And so we're kind of elaborating on a little bit different angle of that each week for four weeks. The other kind of verse for our study is out of Ezekiel chapter 44 and verse 23. Teach my people the difference between the holy and the common. And there's a big one. This morning, let's look at us making a difference in our world, God making a difference in our lives, and, and us making a difference, but God, us making a difference in our world. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 5 and, and verse 13 through 16. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Remember, we've already talked about this as you turn. We're supposed to be different. It's got to be that way. If you serve a different Lord, if you're headed to a different place, then you will be different. We're supposed to be different, and we're supposed to make a difference. Matthew chapter 5 and verses 13 through 16. This is um, early in Jesus' ministry. Remember, Jesus um, was about 30 when he started to minister, to teach, uh, to heal, to gather followers, some of whom would, he would handpick as his closest followers. We call them disciples and so forth. Um, and, and he died after about three years of ministry when he was 33. And then, of course, rose from the dead. So this is early in his ministry. And this is the section, just near the start of the section, they call uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, where Jesus taught his followers and other people some really, really important truth. And the scene of it is that he goes up on a hillside to do that. There's a lot of people around, and he, he takes his closest followers, at least at the beginning, up on this hillside to teach them. And in verse 13, he says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, of course, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. 
kind of two obvious parts to that this morning that we want to talk about. First of all, that he said to them, you are the salt of the earth. And again, the background of that is he's talking to his closest followers. Most versions call them disciples. We don't use that terminology or that term very much today. It's simply as a learner. It, it's not the apostles necessarily. It's probably a bigger group than that. Some of them would become apostles. But it's the people at that point that had chosen to follow Jesus, and Jesus had chosen them to follow him more closely on more occasions and so forth, and they wanted to learn from and about Jesus. Now, are we disciples? Of course. If you want to learn more about Jesus, more about what he wants for your life, more about what he wants you to do, you're a disciple. So, 20 centuries later, it may as well be us sitting on that hillside listening to Jesus. Now, when he says you're the salt of the earth, we most often emphasize the salt idea, and we'll spend a few minutes on that. But it may be that we're skipping over that first part, you are, and we need to underscore that. Remember, his followers, his learners, he's the teacher, they're the students. And he's looking at them and saying, you are the light of the world. I, I'm guessing that a lot of the emphasis is on that part. You are the light of the world. And he doesn't say you should be. It'd be nice if you were. He says, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. That's us. Now, what does salt do? Lots of things. You can look that up and, and come up with dozens of uses of salt. One of them, <laughs> unfortunately, is to spread so that it melts enough ice that we don't fall, isn't it? That's kind of a, kind of a side, not as often thought of, use of salt, but a really, really important one the last few weeks, as we've seen lots of ice in our area. Um, but primarily, probably it's meant to flavor something, and I don't know if you're like me, but I'm just stuck on salt. I mean, everything almost but ice cream gets salt on it, and when I mainly have to do it, because Marla's trying to help me watch my blood pressure and so forth, you mainly have to do it when Marla's back is turned or whatever, or she'll say, I've already salted that. Okay, then it's getting salted twice. Yeah, that kind of thing. But I just love salt. It's got a good flavor to it. It helps. In the first century, it would have been more common to use it to preserve things. Whether it was used on animal skins to preserve them, to use for clothing or or warmth, or whatever, or to preserve food when they didn't have our kind of refrigeration. Salt doesn't just flavor, it preserves. It was also used to clean. We've mentioned to melt ice. Which of those is Jesus talking about? Or is he talking about all of them? Is it important that, and he hasn't said that yet, but is it important when we do things on behalf of people and even for people to see them, as we let our light shine, 
Is it more important that we're doing that to flavor our culture or to save them and preserve them? To cleanse them? To make it safer? They're all important. Then he says, you are the light of the world. Aaron, sorry to interrupt. I'm going to need you in just a moment to turn out all the lights, okay, right behind you. Uh, he says, you are the light of the world. Now, I wanted to illustrate this. Uh, and this is laughable, I know. It's kind of corny and goofy, but I spent some time trying to find a real first century type lamp, not like a real one because they're reasonably expensive, but instead I just made one. Got some modeling clay and made it, and I am not an artist. I'm not an artist type. But one of, one of the um, early type, this would have been more like, a, uh, more like an Old Testament one. It would have been centuries before the first century, okay? So it's kind of like a bowl, and in this section here, there would have been a wick sticking out. And then you filled this bowl with oil. Usually it would be olive oil, something like that. Obviously, that's not explosive, but provides fuel. And then you light the wick, and you have kind of a primitive-type lamp. Right? You with me so far? Okay. Now, again, by, by Jesus' time... There might have been some people still using things like this. That's probably um, the more common people, poor people type of thing. Maybe some that just made them and, and that's all they could afford or whatever. But they had more elaborate ones by then and even decorative ones that were much nicer looking. And if I don't have the talent to do this any better than I did, I certainly couldn't do that. Okay, But this is kind of an oil lamp. Now, okay, Aaron, hit it, would you? And, and um, we have things like this. We go outside. I, I did this last night late in this morning looking for another cow. We use our flashlights, right, and go outside with them. Now, the ones, I, the ones I really like, at first I would not do this at all. I thought, who would wear one of those? You're, you look like a total dork, okay? And nobody intentionally wants to look like a dork, right? Now, the cool thing about these is, you can go outside and be hands-free. You don't have to use your hands to carry a flashlight and all that. You just wear this on your head. Now, there are a lot of people that use these now in their jobs. Uh, my son uses one, um, being an electrician. Plumbers use them. People, mechanics use them a lot. People that work in dark places. Now, if you watch those Alaska shows, they're using them like two or three months a year when there's no daylight. I mean, that's the only light they have, but they do it so they can keep their hands free, right? All right. Now, we have things like that. If I can get it off. Well, these are valuable if they work. Just kidding. Okay, this is what people did in the first century. 
if they wanted to light their house. Now, their house isn't going to be real bright. It's not going to be like ours with the lights we have or whatever, but they had some kind of lamp, and again, theirs is fueled with oil, and ours is fueled with just a little bit of candle here instead of using olive oil or whatever they did. And if they wanted to go somewhere, they had to carry this around with them, light a different part of the house or whatever, or even go outside at night to do something. You carried something like this with you, and one of the reasons that they became more elaborate uh, as the centuries went by is to protect them better from wind and so forth like that, so they wouldn't go out. Okay, So when Jesus is on a hillside, and we digress a little bit going back too, but when he's on a hillside and he's talking about light, as it got darker, there may have been people that had things like this. He may have used that as an object lesson. That, that's something we don't think about a lot, or at least I don't. That he may have very well had something like this and held that up and showed him. well, we all light lamps. We have different things. We go flip on a switch. Okay, They didn't have that then, so we put ourselves in their shoes. We all light lamps, and then we take it and we put it on a stand, he said, and it lights everything in the room. It gives light. It, it does what it's supposed to do. No one, now this isn't a first century or even a Palestinian or, you know, type of, uh, of bowl, but it wouldn't have been a lot different. This is a wood one from uh, Laos that they used to, um, to crush things, rice or, or whatever they wanted to do to make cornmeal or whatever to make into something. But it, it's a bowl. And he said, now, if you want light in a room, you're going to leave it like that. It would be silly to take a bowl and put it over that and not make use of the light. Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, what if it catches that wood bowl on fire? I don't know. I, I kind of tested it, but I didn't do it for that long. And the problem is there's little air holes around the bottom so it doesn't snuff it out right away or anything like that. Okay. Now, Aaron, hit the lights for me, would you? The light. He explains. He's saying, I'm not really talking about light. He's saying, I'm talking about the things, the deeds that you do because you're a Christian. And I know you do them, but sometimes we don't want people to know we do them and we put a bowl over them. And then it doesn't accomplish its intended purpose of people seeing those and not giving us the glory and honor, but recognizing that God's doing that. Or we're doing it because we're God's. Because we belong to God. And that in turn should, could, lead them to glorify God. 
Now, that's how we make a difference in our world. We don't live in an isolated situation. We live connected with lots of people in our job, in our workplaces, in our, in our school settings, in, in our family dynamics, and all that. And so we live for Christ. We live in a way that pleases Him and honors Him and impresses other people with Him. But we don't hide that. I remember teaching one time for a three-week period when Windward Island School of Evangelism was on uh, the island of St. Vincent. It's been for two or three years now in Barbados. Some of you have been there even maybe. And when it was in St. Vincent, and they're totally different. Barbados is a very flat island, very flat. No, no mountains or anything like that. Just very, very small hills. Kind of like Pittsburgh. You have to build... An overpass just to have a place to sled. Does that ring a bell? That's Pittsburgh, right? That's the way Barbados is. And, but St. Vincent, just about 20 miles away, is totally different. It's an island of volcanic origin. It has mountains and so forth and, and a volcano and that. And I remember we were studying this. I was teaching this in a class from the Sermon on the Mount then. And going out as it got dark and looking at a hillside there, and in the daytime there, as is pretty typical uh, Caribbean type of architecture and design and so forth, real bright houses, real bright colors. But as it got darker and darker and toward night, that city over there was completely lit up that side of the hill where all those houses and people were. Jesus says the same thing. When we're all doing that, when we're all doing our good deeds so that people are impressed with God, with Jesus, there's no way you can hide that. The world will notice. They'll see those lights. They'll see that city on the side of a hill. We're going to go into a time of decision in just a moment and, and we'll sing as we do each Lord's Day to, to, uh, during that time. And That's simply an opportunity if um, number one, most importantly, if you're not a follower of Christ, if you haven't done what he wants you to to become a follower of his, that is uh, believe in him with all your heart. That is uh, to repent of your sins. That, uh, repentance is a, is a change of mind, a determination to turn your life around and give it to Christ. Confess him to be baptized into him and to live the rest of your life for him. Do that now. Don't put it off. The Holy Spirit is prompting you to do that. Do that right now. You come forward and would love to help you with that. Maybe you, you'd like to be a part of this church family, maybe right where you're at. It's a realization like I have that my light needs to shine brighter for Christ. The world needs that more than ever. Pretty obvious, isn't it? Let's stand and sing together. If you have a decision to make, we invite you to come.